Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Scared to death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hopefully uh, my voice will be okay. Might be a little scratchy. Just some little some little bug. Some little bug. Do you have a, a touch of something? That's your. That's not me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I used to always have a touch of something. I was run down all the time. Uh, every plane ride. I don't know. I, I think I have a touch of something. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a few, just two fun free things to announce. I like free. And then we're into the uh, into the stories. Okay, what are you going to give me? Very excited to bring back an old favorite. Sorry I missed it last year, but the 2023 Bad Magic Street Team is back. Woohoo! Uh, the new stickers will be available Wednesday, August 2nd, noon Pacific time. We have 500 packs of 10 stickers available to ship out. Uh, the sticker packs are free. You only pay for shipping. Uh, and since these are free, please limit your purchase, you know, or, you know, your acquisition to one pack so others can get in on the fun. Is that like on the honor system there? It's just the honor system. Okay, be good. Mom's watching. <laughs> uh, they will be available at badmagicmerch.com Wednesday, August 2nd, noon Pacific time. Stick them all over the place, wherever you feel comfortable sticking them, on your forehead, your neighbor's forehead, uh, that cool spot in the record shop bathroom where everyone puts stickers. Uh, I remember in past years finding them on hiking trails, ski lifts, oh, yeah. rest stop stalls, all over the place. I just had so a really fun. inappropriate thought about putting one on your hand and then giving someone a smack. <laughs> a little smack on the back? Mm, or somewhere else. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Hey. Stick them on somebody's butt. Hey. Um, and then post the pics of these stickers. Get creative on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You know, little videos, static images, whatever. With And use the hashtag Bad Magic Street Team. So hashtag Bad Magic Street Team so we can find these pictures or you can tag us. And just thank you for helping us, uh, you know, get the word out about these shows, about time we get back to trying to grow them again. It's been a while since we've done that. I'm excited to do that. And the contest will last until October 2nd, noon Pacific time. Uh, we'll look up the posts again, based on, you know, being tagged and the hashtag bad magic street team. And then the winner will get $200, uh, in the form of a badmagicmerch.com store credit. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Um, and then. Mark your calendar for Sunday, August 27th, 4 p.m., the debut of my newest stand-up comedy special, Trying to Get Better, recorded back in Minneapolis this past December, uh, releasing, as is the current trend for most comics right now, for free on YouTube. I'll be there in the comment feed for the initial release. Hope you like it, and if you do, please tell your friends uh, about it. Uh, if you don't like it, then I probably just can't make you laugh because it's about as good as I can do. If you don't like it, please keep it to yourself. <laughs> please keep it to yourself. If you don't have something nice to say, you have nothing to say at all. Okay? But it's free. 
It's free. Uh, yeah, it'll be on YouTube August 27th, 4 p.m. Pacific time. And yeah, all I ask is that you you watch it. If you if you get a couple hours, or I guess it's like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. And yeah, I hope it makes you laugh as much as the crowd laughed that night. And I hope you tell us others about it. And that's it. Oh, uh, can I say one thing about sure. it? Yeah. And we'll get into the stories. Uh this is just a really big deal for us. Like we were able to do this like outside of an, a studio. Like we yeah. worked really hard to save the money to be able to self-produce, which is a really important thing right now for all you stand-up fans who've been following along. It's like, you know, owning your own content is so important. As you know, like Dan's content was removed from so many platforms this oh year. Gosh, so many decisions made on my behalf that were I was not okay with. And like, I'm sure a lot of you were watching the SAG after strikes and we were just like cracking up. I have a three cent residual check hanging above my <laughs> desk that Dan got for like some TV performance. It's like, if you are a supporter of the arts in any capacity, music, stand-up, uh, theater, whatever, yeah. like the best thing you can do to support all artists, not just Dan, is to to watch their stuff, to review it, to like it, to rate it, and, and to support True. them in every way that you can outside of like, you know, only watching Hulu or whatever. It's yeah. like, it's so important. And we do get so many wonderful emails from our fans saying like, where's the best place to listen to Dan? Or how mm -hmm. do I find him? Or, you know, I really enjoy his voice. What can I do? It's like, this is what you can do. You can get yep. on YouTube. You can watch it. We're really proud of it. Uh, Tyler and Logan were there. It was mm -hmm. just... It was a really, really, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a really special experience. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm very proud of you. Yeah. Just listening and sharing is the best thing you can do for any of this stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So now we're on to horror. Okay. How much fan, thank you. How much fan submitted supposedly true paranormal horror do you have for us this week? Well, none of it's supposed it's all true. Okay. And I have three stories this week. Mm -hmm. uh, my first story is about uh, a son a, de a deceased son yeah. who maybe haunts his father's grave okay. after being disowned by his dad. Whoa. Dun, dun, dun. And then my second story is so weird. And when you get to the end of it, I want you guys to listen with open, open hearts, open minds, uh, and decide, was this a ghost haunting or was somebody seriously punked? Like, it's so, it, the story's so wild. And then uh, the third story sounds like every parent's nightmare a crying kid, and they're telling you what they see, and I don't think you want to see what they see. Yikes. Eechie, wah, wah. Poor little guy or little girl. L little thing. Uh, I have uh, my normal two stories again. You don't say. There's a theme with them both, unintentionally showing up like almost every other time I've had a theme. Uh, so weird to me whenever that happens. Uh, this time it's a theme of faith seemingly conquering evil. Oh, I like that. The first story is set in the present day, centered around a woman living alone in North Carolina in what she hoped was going to be her dream home. Then a very bad former resident of that home tries to turn her dream into a nightmare. And then next, we'll travel over 100 years back and head to southern India. A prominent family is terrorized by an entity that likes to play with fire. Literally. Ooh, that's scary. Yeah. Intense poltergeist activity drives the family to nearly their breaking point. You ready to sock up and get spoopy? Okay, I am socked. You guys aren't going to believe that I even elected to wear these socks because there's aliens on them. And you know how scared of aliens I am. But they're pretty cute. <laughs> they are. Look, guys, they these guys look harmless. Okay, the cute is over. No setup on this first story. We just get going. Let's go. No! Even though it wasn't the first time I'd seen his face in the bathroom mirror, that horrible rage-filled face that immediately filled my body with cold dread, it still absolutely startled and terrified me to the point of worrying I'd have a heart attack, stroke, or nervous breakdown. This time, right before spinning around to at least try and defend myself, I saw his hands, too. 
lifelike-looking strong hands lifting up and reaching out to strangle me. Time now for the tale of Teeth in the Walls. Let me share how this all started. It was, and still is, a beautiful house. An old three-story colonial revival, perfectly restored on Belmont, North Carolina's Woodrow Avenue. One of many lovingly cared-for historic homes, many brought back from the dead, lying along both sides of a classic quaint southern street, lined with white ashes, magnolias, and dogwoods. An often sunny street, filled with happy children riding their bikes, dogs being taken on walks, and iced tea being sipped in sunrooms and covered porches as locals quietly gossip about each other and the declining state of the world. Original brickwork, restored gable roof with dormers, original columns on the porch from when it was first built in 1916, matching chimneys on each of the gable ends, original hardwood floors throughout. I could go on and on. It was my dream home. I'd rented and saved for over 15 years and finally had just enough to purchase a place I doubted at times I would ever be able to afford. But then I did it. And on my own, too. I'd be lying if I said it didn't fill me with pride. I'd almost gotten married. Twice. Unfortunately, neither relationship was meant to last. Fortunately, when it came to getting the house, both relationships fell apart, leaving just emotional wounds, and not both emotional and financial scars. I'd grown up just a short drive away in Charlotte. I'd gone for bike rides on streets just like Woodrow Avenue as a kid, admiring the old homes, but never living in one. We weren't poor. We were working class. I grew up in a nice house, a single-story rancher. We even had a pool, above ground, but we never had anything like this. This was the kind of home my mom said fancy people lived in. Southern bells, debutantes. People who drank tea someone else brewed for them. Proper old money Southerners with two or three kids who went to a private school and a husband who wore a suit to work. And yet, here I was. A single, childless woman who often worked in little more than shorts and a tank top. An app designer who caught some lucky breaks and got in with a big company that liked my work enough to pay me well and following the pandemic, not force me to return to the office. And that is what brought me to Belmont, being able to work from home. And I fell in love with this Belmont home the moment I walked in. Nothing seemed off about it. It didn't feel ominous or heavy. It felt warm and light, actually. I now wonder if that was by design, if he was responsible for that. Did he lure me into moving in? Maybe I'm his type? Did he make sure not to alert me to his presence when I entered the home? I put an offer in the day I toured it. And after a bit of back and forth with two other buyers, I got it. And then he really let me settle in before the torment began. I set up my office in one of the four bedrooms, setting up two others as guest rooms and the last, of course, as my bedroom. The big space started to feel a little lonely. So after a few weeks, I got a puppy. A beagle-ish rescue I named Adelaide Grace. A proper Southern name. She would be the genteel Southern belle, the lady of our manor. I call her Addie. And when Addie was four months old, she was the first to see him. Or at least sense him. I feel so bad now for yelling at her. I let Addie sleep in bed with me from the start. And while she was such a good, easy, quiet puppy at first, a little more than two months after bringing her home, she started waking me up, yipping in the middle of the night, barking while watching the door, as if someone was just outside in the hall or as if they were just inside the door, in the room with us. Sometimes when she'd wake me, even creepier, she'd be barking at something I couldn't see as if someone was walking across the bedroom and over to the bathroom. Scarier still, sometimes she'd jump back in the middle of barking and start yelping, so afraid of whatever she was seeing, something that may have just lunged at her. 
and now she was retreating into mom for some security. It spooked me the first several times it happened. But then, since I still wasn't seeing anything at this time myself, it quickly got really irritating. Night after night, she just kept waking me up, and I was beginning to get pretty sleep-deprived. I tried to comfort her the first few times, but then eventually, I was just yelling at her. Then for a bit, I started to worry that there was something really wrong with her, that she was seeing things, that I needed to take her to the vet, see if she was having any kind of mental problems. Maybe she needed melatonin to help her relax, and, or melatonin to help her relax and sleep. But then I started seeing him too. As I was about to yell at Addie again to just stop as she woke me up for the umpteenth time while staring at the door to the hallway, when she jumped back a bit and started to bark more aggressively, that was when I watched him walk through the door. The shadowy figure of a large man. And as Addie kept barking, as she tracked what she was staring at from the hallway door to the bathroom door, I saw him too. My whole body suddenly felt cold. I realized that this was the thing she'd been seeing the entire time. And then he disappeared into the bathroom. I grabbed Addie and held her tight, petting and comforting her, comforting myself, never taking my eyes off the bathroom door. I gathered up all my courage after a few minutes, swung my legs out of bed, and then slowly walked across my room. Was he still in there? Hand on the doorknob, I turned it slowly. Little by little, I opened up the door and peeked inside, bracing myself for... I don't know exactly. Bracing myself for the worst, whatever that might be. But there was nothing there. Or maybe almost nothing. My eyes were drawn to the bathroom mirror. While I didn't see anything that wasn't supposed to be there, I felt something. Something in the darkness behind me. It was the shadow man I'd just seen walk into the bathroom. I knew he was back there in the darkness, somewhere. Addie saw or felt him too. She was whimpering now in our bed. I shut the door and marched quickly back across the room, ready to swoop up at him and run half-naked out of the bedroom and downstairs and out into the yard if I had to. But then he was gone. I could sense it. I was able to eventually go back to sleep that night. That first night encounter left me spooked, really spooked. But when nothing further happened for the next few weeks, I started to convince myself that maybe sleep deprivation had gotten the best of me. That Addie thinking that she had seen something had made me think that I'd seen something too. Maybe I'd half-dreamed it. But then it happened again. My second encounter with this thing was almost identical to the first. Addie woke me up, barking at the hallway door. After a few moments, the shadowy shape of a large man again walked into the room. I felt my body grow cold. We both watched him walk over to the bathroom door and then go through it. After a few minutes, I checked the bathroom to see if he was inside. There was no one there, but looking into the mirror, it again felt like he was back there somewhere in the darkness watching me. And this time, after a few moments, I saw him. Just for a second, maybe two at most, I saw in the darkness the clear outline of a man's face, watching me, glaring at me. I could just make out some of his features, his mouth pursed tightly into his scowl, his brow furrowed, his dark eyes filled with malice. Seeing his face literally made me feel sick to my stomach, and then he vanished. That night left me really shook. I don't think I ever really fell back asleep. I stayed on edge the next few nights, each sound of the house settling or breeze blowing outside, snapping me out of being just barely asleep. Every time Addie moved or made a noise, I waited to see him again and scream. What if he showed up even more solid this time? And soon that was exactly what happened. Five or six nights later, once again the same routine. Or at least it started off in the same way. Addie barking at the door to the hall. We watched him walk through the door, only more solid this time, still shadowy but more lifelike, almost like a person drawn in pencil, where through shading some of their details are darker than others. 
I was more scared than ever this time to go check the bathroom. If you're wondering why I kept checking the bathroom, I guess it was because I wanted to know why he kept walking in there. What was he doing? Looking for something? I tried to think of it all as a a mystery, and that if I could solve it, maybe I could get him to leave. When I looked into the bathroom this time, what I saw almost made me scream. His shadowy form was still there. He was kneeling down, and it looked like he was putting something into the wall underneath the sink, reaching through the wall into a storage space maybe that was no longer there. And then his head whipped around to look at me, and I did scream. His shadowy face had no features other than, like I said, some areas looking shaded in more than others. His eyes, despite a lack of color, my God, they were lifelike. They were shaded the darkest of all. He vanished almost immediately after glaring at me. Still frozen in place when I now looked up into the mirror, I screamed again. I saw a face that didn't look like a ghost. It looked like a living man was in my room with me. A man consumed with rage, his dark, angry eyes making it clear he wanted to kill me and maybe do so many other terrible things to me before I died. When he raised his hands as if to strangle me, I spun around, and when I did, he vanished. I definitely did not fall back asleep that night. I took Addie downstairs, and we laid on the couch. Soon, she was sleeping soundly, and then she was snoring. The cutest little snore you could ever hear. It was exactly what I needed. I was still terrified, consumed with dark thoughts of what horror might come next, but her little puppy snore did make me feel a tiny bit better. I started looking up what to do in case of a haunting or poltergeist activity on my phone, and I found so much advice. For starters, did you know that you can literally demand that a spirit leave your home? I tried that first. I got up from the couch, walked over to the base of the stairs, and loudly proclaimed in my bravest voice, This is my house! I demand that you leave this place! And after a few moments of silence, I heard the bathroom door upstairs start slamming over and over again. Bam! 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 He didn't seem to care for being told what to do. I ran back to the couch and cuddled up next to Addie. I think both of us were shaking. Looking back on my phone again, I read about how if demanding a spirit to leave doesn't work, you can try smudging the house with sage. I wrote out a reminder to get some. You can also fill your home with crystals. Selenite, obsidian, and desert rose are apparently some of the best at cleansing a home of negative energy. One website said if I soaked them overnight in a bowl of salt water and let them charge under the light of a full moon, they'd be extra powerful and helpful. I would have laughed that off a few weeks earlier, but now anything seemed possible when it came to spirits and what to do to protect yourself from them. Sage and crystals were now on my not-even-joking shopping list. Lining every threshold and corner in the house with salt was another bit of commonly expressed advice, but that seemed to be helpful when it came to keeping uh, evil spirits out. And this evil was already in. I already had salt and made a note to salt everything when I got light out just in case. There's no shortage of self-proclaimed psychics, mediums, and spiritualists online who claim to be able to clear your home. Some of them uh, even claim to be able to clear it of evil remotely. And of course, finally, you can bring in the big guns. You can have a priest or pastor or shaman or some other religious figure come in and bless or exercise your space. The next morning, after salting my whole house, every windowsill and doorway, I found a place downtown that sold sage and crystals, some little new agey boutique I would have previously rolled my eyes at. Still worried he was going to show up again that night, I also went with the online please clear my house of demons immediately option. No harm in trying several options at once. After messaging six or seven different people, I found someone who was able to help me the same day. Gotta love the internet. It gives people like me a job, lets me live anywhere, and apparently, thanks to the web, you don't even have to leave home now to rid your house of paranormal evil. The psychic and I hopped on Zoom late that afternoon, a few hours before sundown. And right when I was starting to think that what she offered was nothing more than a scam, 
She screamed. Wide-eyed, she pointed towards the camera on her computer. There. Behind you. Startled, I spun around, but I couldn't see anything. I felt cold now. I was filled with dread. And then when she screamed again, I spun back around. Now I could see his face behind me in my laptop screen. And then with my hands at least two feet away, my laptop slammed shut and slid across the table. It fell off, and the only reason it didn't break on the floor was because it landed on a chair. The lights flickered out, and now the room was so cold I could see my breath. Addie started barking and whimpering, and then I heard him. I heard the sound of him stomping up the stairs. My bedroom door opened and slammed shut, followed by the bathroom door. Not only did the cleansing not work, it clearly angered him. In the midst of feeling panicked with fear, a thought illuminated my mind like a big flashing neon sign in the darkness. Why does he keep going to the bathroom? I thought of how I'd seen his shape reach into the wall underneath the bathroom sink, and suddenly I felt compelled to do some exploring, and maybe some demolition. I ran to the garage and grabbed a hammer, and then I forced myself to head up the stairs. I tried to get Addie to come with me, but she was not having it. I could feel his presence when I walked into my room. Every part of me was screaming to run back down the stairs, but then what? Bring in a pastor or a priest or some other spiritualist for a cleansing or exorcism and risk making him even angrier? Never sleep in my bed again? Sell the house? No. This was still my dream house. I needed to at least try and save it. And I felt like in my gut, the key to doing so might be in the bathroom, the place he kept returning to. So I steeled myself, ignored the sinking feeling in my gut as best I could, and walked across my room and into the bathroom. I couldn't see him, but he was there. The room was buzzing. I thought about where in the wall I'd seen him reach in, and I took a swing with the hammer, and then another, and another, and another. I started pulling away plaster, and I tore a hole about two feet by another two feet into the wall. Using the flashlight on my phone, I looked around inside... As I did, I could feel him hovering right behind me, and I knew if I looked in the mirror, he'd be there, more real than ever. Maybe this time I'd feel his hands grab my throat. I didn't see anything in the hole at first, but then, there it was. What he must have continued to come back to. An old box, kind of like a jewelry box. A custom hardwood box with a hinged brass, a hinged brass clasp to hold the lid shut, all of it covered in dust. I reached in and pulled it out. I felt his presence grow stronger when I did, a steady low humming, like electrical current. So much current I waited to shock myself touching something or be spontaneously electrocuted. Opening the box, it was divided into eight separate square compartments, and in five of them were little bundles of something, tiny felt drawstring bags. I took one out, loosened the string, emptied the contents into my hand, and gasped. A human tooth, a small ringlet of hair, and an earring felt sick. I grabbed another bag and emptied it as well. Another human tooth, another locket of hair, and more jewelry, a ring this time, a woman's wedding ring. There was no need to inspect the other three bags. I knew what I'd find. Trophies. Whatever women these teeth and hair and jewelry once belonged to, they were dead now. And the shadow man, when he was alive, he had killed them. I was immediately certain of all of that. As I wondered who he was and who his victims were, the lights went out. Bam, 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 bam. The bathroom door was rapidly opening and slamming shut, as was the bedroom door. It sounded like all the doors in the house were. I put the teeth and hair and jewelry back in their bags, placed it all in the box, and stood up. I didn't want to look in the mirror, but I couldn't help myself. There he was, a full, lifelike reflection, like a real man in the room with me. And this time, when he reached out for me, I felt his hands wrap around my throat and start to choke. My reaction to this absolutely petrifying encounter surprised myself. Instead of being filled with fear, I was filled with rage. Get out! Get out of my house! 
I spun around to face him and I felt his grip fade. And then I felt him grab the box and try and rip it from my hands. I held on and stared at the shadow in front of me and yelled, Leave me alone! Leave my house! I screamed and to my great surprise, the shadow man faded and the door stopped slamming. I ran out of the bathroom and then out of my bedroom and down the stairs with the box in my hands. I found Addie downstairs curled up in her little dog bed, shaking and whimpering. She was petrified. I picked her up and took her outside. We hopped in my Jeep, drove straight to the nearest police station where I gave them a very abbreviated version of what I've written here. And they clearly thought it was crazy. But then I gave them the box. And when the two officers I spoke with saw the teeth, they exchanged a glance and said they at least believed something serious was going on. They took my information. We talked some more about what had happened. They gave me some cards to call them directly and said they'd be in touch probably the next day. Addie and I stayed in a hotel that night and got some much-needed sleep. When I woke up, I already had two voicemails from the officers. I called them back, and we all met up at the house around 1 p.m. They inspected the hole in the bathroom, didn't find anything else, also looked up in the attic and down in the basement. Nothing there either. They told me they'd like to come back at a later date with cadaver dogs. I asked them if they knew who the teeth belonged to, and they said finding out would take months at the earliest, and they might not ever know. Hoping to find out who put the trophies in the wall, I asked them about former owners of the home, if any guys with criminal records or guys suspected of anything had lived there, and they told me they'd call if they knew anything. I now wondered how bad things would be this night with this precious box now removed. And then I remembered that a friend of mine had a brother-in-law who was a young, enthusiastic pastor in Charlotte. I reached out even though I was pretty worried about what she'd think of me and my supposed situation. If she did think that I'd lost it, she did a really good job of making me believe she thought I was still sane. She talked to her brother-in-law and best case scenario, he agreed to come over that same night and bless my house. They both showed up right around sunset and the man who may have killed people in my house did not disappoint. As I was telling them about what had happened so far, the room suddenly dropped to what felt like 20 or 30 degrees cooler. The lights didn't go out, but they flickered and we could hear what sounded like someone walking around upstairs. It sounded like someone angry, frantically pacing up and down the hallway. We all exchanged glances, but no one said a word. We heard him walk into my bedroom, opening and slamming the door. Then he walked into the bathroom, that door opening and slamming as well. Then we heard the most god-awful scream I've ever heard in my life. It filled the whole house. It felt like it was coming from every direction at once, or coming from inside our heads. And when it was done, my friend pointed at the staircase. Oh my god. There he was, shadowy once again, all outlined and shaded in, but with much more detail than before, and he was glaring at me. And now, right in front of us, he started to walk down the stairs. I felt sick. I was already making plans in my head to move out. My dream home had become a nightmare. But then the pastor stood up, faced the shadow, and without a hint of fear, began casting him out with his powerful presence. Father God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I break any assignment of every evil spirit to this space. I bind every evil spirit that is in this room and command them to go where the Lord Jesus Christ has ready for them. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce and reject any inch of this room, this house, and this property that has been yielded or surrendered unto Satan, and by faith I take it back and surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he kept talking, and the shadow man froze, and the temperature started to increase. While we could all still see him, he no longer seemed as scary, and soon the pastor finished. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, by faith I claim that this room is covered under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and no evil spirit can enter it. I command everything must leave this house now. I decree that every legal right has been broken. I call on the Lord to blow and remove every demonic spirit out now to never return. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. By the time he was done talking, The shadow man had faded into nothing, and the temperature in the room was normal. We all walked up to my bedroom and bathroom, and it all felt 
fine. It was a miracle? Abby didn't seem to notice anything either. Sorry, Addie. A few minutes later, the pastor was giving me his card, telling me he hoped to start seeing me on Sundays, and also telling me I should throw up my crystals. That they showed a lack of faith and would only add to problems like the kind I just had. After what I'd just seen him do, I actually did toss him out. And I guess I'm religious now? I started going to his church the next Sunday, and I haven't stopped. I didn't see that coming, but what I saw convinced me that A, paranormal evil is real, and B, faith can protect you. As I write this, it's been over two months since the night my pastor banished the shadow man from my house, and he hasn't been back since. And as of last week, I now know who that monster was. Luther Camden. He lived in my house back in the 1940s and 50s. He'd been arrested on rape charges at least twice, but the cases never went to trial. And he was suspected in a few women's disappearances, but never arrested shortly before he died of cardiac arrest in the mid-50s when he was either 42 or 43. He died in the house where he lived alone after, it seems, inheriting it from his mother. Those disappearances were never solved. They're still unsolved. It seems like the police weren't able to match the teeth and or hair I found to any victims. Maybe they don't have records of the victim's teeth or hair. Eventually, cadaver dogs did come out to the house, but found nothing. If he buried those bodies, he didn't bury them on the property. I think all of this is now safe for me to put behind me. But sometimes when I use the bathroom at night, I still worry I'll see his face again in the mirror. Or when Addie growls at something, I half expect to see a shadow walk across the room. But with each passing week, I do worry a bit less. It's been so calm. I hope it stays that way. I don't want to move. Before I moved into a historic home, I'd heard it was so important to know, quote, the right people. Someone who can mend old floors, an original brick. Someone who can repair, repair original molding. Make a hole in plaster wall and a plaster wall disappear. Someone who can unclog a pipe over 100 years old. And also, now I know... Important to know someone who's amazing at banishing old and evil former residents. I love that. That's a great story. Bravo. I think he killed his mom, by the way. I just want to say that. I Ooh. bet he killed his mom. I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. maybe. If he's uh, after women or something. And mm-hmm. Well, knows? he probably had a problem. Yeah, like, you know, some sort of issue mm-hmm. with women. Probably stems from childhood or rejection. So, I mean, you know, the standard. But So many of those dudes who, I mean, the overwhelming majority, I would say, of those dudes who go after uh, women. Yeah serious mommy issues yep yeah yep. wow that was oh that was like my nightmare come to life i yeah. just felt like you know for all the times that i'm home alone with the dogs you're out of town i, I like count on them to be the ones <laughs> to <laughs> alert me of something Oof. and thankfully they're always that 9.99999 times out of 10 they're really good and quiet yeah 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 Gigi is a wild card though anyway she just barks at she just barks. A reflection, any random sounds. Yeah, yeah. She stare at herself in the mirror and have a little conversation with herself. But this was like, oh, man. What would freak me out is the, mo- is the moment when um, she's watching the shadow walk across the room mm-hmm. and the dog's head is tracking, tracking. it. Yeah. Because that would be, um, I mean, such a confirmation for me. Yep, yep. This is not in my head. We're both watching this thing. Yeah, I, I was surprised that she said it was a four-bedroom house. And so I'm like, mm. just, I would have switched bedrooms. Oh, even in like uh, now that the the spirit is gone, you know, yeah. she feels all I just wouldn't want that like residual energy memory of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd be saving up my money to do a remodel on one of the other bedrooms to make it, you know, a primary suite. And yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Oof. Uh, no pics associated with this posting, but um, searching teeth in the walls. Yeah. I came across some pics associated with a story about roughly a thousand human teeth. 
Found in the wall of a building being renovated in Valdosta, Georgia in 2018, the building was used as a dentist's office in the early 1900s. And no one knows why the dentist or whoever did it just started tossing teeth into the wall. Um, also, according to one source, this is the third building building in just Georgia where a crazy amount of teeth were found in the wall during a renovation. All right, let's see it. Ew. So many teeth just inside the wall. That's so creepy. So weird. Mm-hmm. I have a friend, her and her husband are really eclectic people. Yeah. And they have been known to buy jars of teeth at like... Yeah, you can't find them someplace. Far, like so fairs, weird. like a, um, like not a farmer's market, but you know what I'm saying? Like a, a weird like street fair kind of thing. Sure. Like a street fair of oddities. Yeah. Uh, this next one, close-up shot of a bunch of teeth found in the wall. <laughs> Just from the local news. teeth found in building wall. I mean, weird. what did he think he was going to do with them? Yeah, and why not just throw them away? Like, why are you throwing them in the wall? Yeah, it's so bizarre. It, it feels makes like, no sense. No, it feels like some weird, like, ritual or something, or... Ugh. I don't know. And then this next picture is the Tooth Child Monster. The what? The Tooth Child Monster. It's, it's a creature from the Sci-Fi Network's 2016 series Channel Zero Candle Cove. It just came up during my search. The show was centered on a creepypasta about a bizarre children's television show that was linked to the deaths and disappearances of several children. The six-episode first season of the anthology series features a host of nightmare-inducing puppets, but easily the creepiest thing about it is a character known as the Tooth Child. Have you guys ever uh, watched that? No. I actually quite enjoyed that show. I think it has one of the Duplass brothers in it. Oh, interesting. I think so, yeah. But I I definitely remember this character. Oh, okay. Like, come the tooth child. That thing was weird because you could just kind of tell where its eyes would be mm-hmm. and then just a little opening for a mouth. Ooh-wee. I, I thought, uh, you know, what she proposes at the beginning about, like, did the energy trick her? I, I don't mm. think that I recall that. Like, I, we have definitely heard plenty of stories where, like, we didn't feel anything until we were moved in. But I have never, that I can recall, heard a story of, like, it felt so good and welcoming. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, why couldn't, a spirit trick you in that way, give off nothing kind of but like good. You po- want you in, yeah, good. Oh yeah, I guess we have had stories where it's like, generally in a couple situation where one person is like, I need this house, like yes. this is gonna, you know, make yep. all of our dreams come true, whatever. You're just like so physically drawn to it, and then That's it gets really say. bad. Yeah. yeah, just a few of those. It's been a little while. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where yeah, the, the the people have like, oh okay, I think the house like intentionally tried to lure me in. Yeah, and yeah. then this one like, creepier, where it's like. I like what she said about maybe I'm maybe I'm his type. His type, yeah. Yeah. I knew immediately when you said that there was a box and there were bags. I was like, teeth, teeth. It's going to be teeth. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it had to be teeth. Yeah. So creepy. That was a good one. Okay, good, good, good. Well uh, done. Well done, Cummins. <laughs> you ready to, um, sorry, my voice, ready to leave North Carolina and head to India? I am. No teeth in this next story. Okay, great. Before we look into an old poltergeist tale from across the globe, first our mid-show sponsor break. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Thanks for listening to our sponsor deals, Creeps and Peepers. 
Okay, here goes. While a pastor was able to immediately banish the spirit from the first story, the family at the center of this next story, not quite so lucky. Over a full century ago now, in the house of Mr. A.S.T. Palai, sub-magistrate for the southern India town of Nita Mangalam, excuse me, Nita Mangalam, a brief but intense spell of poltergeist activity occurred. One of the most sinister cases ever recorded. Time now for the tale of the fire starter. The activity started on the 3rd of March, 1920. Some clothes had been freshly laundered and hung to dry. Within minutes, one of the Palai children began to cry from upstairs, and several women in the home all rushed to tend to them, leaving the clothesline area unattended. Upon descending the stairs after calming the child down, the women were horrified to find the clothes on fire. Water was used, the fire was fortunately put out. Initially, the women thought that the fire occurred because the clothes had just been left too close to an open fireplace. But then a few minutes later, the now soaking wet clothes spontaneously set ablaze again, and everyone present was left in a state of horror and confusion. This was how the haunting started, with fire, and it was how it would continue. For the duration of the entity's presence, all manner of things would spontaneously burst into flames around the Palai Manor, uh, curtains, links of silk, religious paintings, even crucifixes. In addition, the Palai family, including those who worked for them, would be physically attacked. Mr. Palai and his family were devout Catholics, and quickly after the activity began, they were certain they were dealing with a creature from hell. They began to pray constantly for protection from this evil. They drew crosses on the walls and chalk and hung portraits of saints. But the very next morning, when they awoke, they found what was left of their freshly hung portraits on the floor, smashed and burned, and the crosses they'd drawn had been covered with cow dung. Mr. Palai spoke with his priest that same day. The priest came over that very afternoon to perform a blessing. When he arrived, he sat down with all the members of the household. They all said some prayers, and a St. Benedict's medal was now hung in the house. And the medal didn't last the night. It swiftly disappeared into thin air. Then, the day after the priest's blessing, a heavy, freestanding silver crucifix also disappeared. The crucifix would be found, and its return would be strange. Later on the day it went missing, a neighbor knocked on the door. He heard something crash down upon his roof with a loud bang. When he climbed atop his roof to inspect it and see what happened, he found the silver crucifix. Did someone just throw it up on his roof? Or did it get there paranormally? On the 6th of March, just four days into all of this, the activity intensified when the door to the kitchen bolted itself shut from the inside. There was no one inside the kitchen when that happened. And after it happened, no amount of force applied to the door would open it. It had become unnaturally impossible to be battered down. A servant girl ended up having to walk around the back of the house, climb up and in through a window to gain entry and unbolt the door. And now Mr. Palai again insisted that a priest come to their home and help them. When this priest uh, arrived, right when he walked inside, he witnessed the missing St. Benedict's medal falling through the air as if someone had thrown it down through the ceiling. No human trickery could explain how the metal had traveled through the air, moving from an origin point where no one was. Incidents such as this became commonplace around the Palai household for roughly two weeks. Objects were witnessed seemingly moving on their own on a daily basis. A mud vessel that contained cooked rice was witnessed later that same day rising up to the ceiling of its own accord before falling with an incredible force back down to the ground, the vessel itself being smashed into pieces. Mr. Palai and his family quickly became so frightened that they relocated to another one of his properties the next morning. Almost immediately after moving in to the new property, it became apparent that the family had been followed as two broomsticks spontaneously burst into flames. That same day, a metal crucifix was mysteriously broken in two, thrown through the air with great and dangerous force. The cooking vessels that had been b bought to replace the previously broken ones 
also smashed to pieces after floating up into the air on their own. After nearly two weeks of this, when three of the Palai children received simultaneous blows to their bodies by an invisible force, Mr. Palai contacted the local bishop now. The bishop quickly came, accompanied by a police officer. The bishop hung a blessed medal in the home, offered more prayers of cleansing and protection. And protection. The police officer also offered his advice based in local indigenous spiritual beliefs. He advised placing vessels full of toddy, a local alcoholic beverage made up of fermented palm tree sap, in the corners of every room. Mr. Pillai swiftly bought a large container of toddy and followed the advice, pouring small amounts in vessels around the house and leaving the remainder in the large vessel for later use. By the end of the day, every single one of the vessels was broken and the floor of the home was covered in spilled toddy. The family were exhausted, terrified, quickly beginning to feel like there was no hope as every attempt to subdue or drive away the entity had been unsuccessful. Vessels and baskets and various household items were constantly being thrown through the air, At dinners, the entity would snatch food and plates out of the family's hands, throw them down into the ground. In Mr. Pillai's diary, he wrote of how at this point, there was something happening approximately every five minutes. Bricks would materialize from outside of the property and be thrown against the home, or worse, end up flying around inside. The women refused to work in the kitchen after Mr. Pillai's daughter was hit hard in the back of her head with a flying piece of wood while trying to prepare some fish. That evening, Mr. Pillai was at his wit's end. He watched over the panicked women of the house armed with only his crucifix. He encouraged them all to recite the prayers of St. Anthony. But before he could even close his mouth to finish reciting them just once, he was struck by something hard enough across his back for the area to be left bruised and swollen. On the 8th of March, writing now materialized on the bathroom wall in addition to all of this. For the first time, the entity tormenting them tried to communicate. The writing read, My name is Rajamadan. I will not leave you. Interestingly, the name Rajamadan is said to mean the king of mischief makers. Word of this got around quickly and various visitors now arrived at the house to take a look at the ghostly message. One of Mr. Pillai's office clerks decided they needed to reply to the message and he wrote, If you don't run away from this house, I will, I will recommend you to my goddess for punishment. The next morning, the family awoke to a reply, I will kill the man who wrote these lines. The clerk was called for immediately and now terrified, wrote another message to the spirit begging to be pardoned. A response appeared. I pardoned you. I will not leave them. Don't you have sense? I am instigated by someone. Whatever they may do, I will not leave them. Mr. Pillai was advised to erase the writings from the wall by his priests and to no longer respond. This he did, but now the messages kept coming in the form of threats and demands. It seemed the entity had a particular hatred for the family's faith as it wrote, I will not leave them unless they become Hindu. That same day, the entity also lifted a burning piece of wood from the fire and threw it in between Mr. Pillai's legs while he was holding a two-year-old child. Mr. Pillai responded by rising to his feet and yelling out to the air around him, I am a child of God. I am ready to lose my property, my wife, my children, and all that I possess. I may also lose my life, but I will not lose my soul. Now on the 11th of March, only a little over a week after all this began, the bishop visited the family again. This time, he performed a powerful blessing, distributed numerous medals throughout the household, and took confessions. It was then decided they would start a novena, a full nine days of constant prayers to St. Joseph. And it would time out so that on the ninth day, it would indeed be the Feast of St. Joseph, March 19th. The Ply household now turned into a house of prayer. The family, along with friends and neighbors and other well-wishers, gathered to pray to St. Joseph. And they all noticed that while they were actively praying, the paranormal activity ceased. When there were intermissions between prayers, it would start up again. 
In between prayers, the children would be beaten, vessels thrown and broken, pictures torn, sacred metals removed, more fires spontaneously started. By the seventh day of prayers, things began to quiet in between the prayers now. A priest assigned by the bishop to stay and pray with the family claimed to now have a good feeling about it all and said he was sure everything would soon be okay. Mr. Pillai declared that if the activity indeed came to an end on the Feast of St. Joseph, he would feed no fewer than a hundred local impoverished people. And that was what he did. On the last day of the novena, a final message appeared on the bathroom wall reading, The Devil is Gone. And Mr. Pillai went out, overcome with relief and joy, and fed the poor. A week later, his diary of events, accompanied by the testimony of others, began to appear in local newspapers and then various other publications, and that is how we know about it now. All in all, 17 strange days of paranormal fire, violence, and terror, and then it was over. And as far as we know, the Pillai family was never terrorized again. It's so weird when it just stops. Mm-hmm. But like maybe the spirit's not getting what it wants and like they just kept fighting back. So yeah, they, they banished just, it. Excuse me. So yeah, they were like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Look at us. Look at how strong we are. Mm-hmm. That's really cool though. Uh, I have a few pictures uh, just of the area. I couldn't find, I mean, uh, there was some that I thought might have been from the story, like old newspaper, but I wasn't positive. Okay. But um, uh, this first one is just a pic of Nita Mangalam. Pretty impoverished city of about 150,000 people. Okay. God, I want to go to, to India the so bad. So many cities there. I, India fascinates me endlessly. Uh, no pics, again, that I'm positive are, are of the Palai family, but some YouTube videos have very creepy thumbnails associated with the story. Okay. Here's one from a channel, Paranormal yeah, yeah, Scholar. Yeah, what is happening there? <laughs> I don't even know what it has to do with the story. Um, I, I really like this channel, actually. I hadn't come across it before. Laura E. Roten, the host, very calm, soothing voice. Um, I like how she presents, you know, uh, paranormal cases. Okay. So one of the few YouTube channels I found that also talked about this, uh, pretty unknown, uh, at least over here in the States. Yeah. Paranormal case. And then finally, this guy kept coming up in my searches for the Pillai family. Oh. Former IFBB pro South African bodybuilder, Chris Pillai. Oh, I was like, what? I don't understand. And sadly, rest in peace. He, he passed away from COVID at the age of 50 in early 2021. That amount of muscle makes me so uncomfortable. I think it looks so cool. Ugh. I don't have the I don't have the uh, dedication to that lifestyle to pull it off. That's good because I wouldn't enjoy it. I I find that zero percent attractive. You don't want to eat meals every hour on the hour. I know, <laughs> and and literally set alarms throughout the night to eat like several times throughout the you know in the middle of the night. I wouldn't have sex with you if you look like that. I'd have sex myself. I look like that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's just like not. I mean, I appreciate it as like yeah. an art form, and the yeah, yeah. I yeah. have a a great deal of respect for anybody who can dedicate themselves to anything like that. But nope, nope, yeah. don't like it. It freaks me. It just feels unnatural. You don't want to be with a He-Man figure. Nope, it feels unnatural. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is a little bit. I mean, it's unnatural in in the sense that like. Previous to the last 50-ish years, yeah, literally no one ever looked like that in human history. Not to that level of musculature. Sorry, I just got excited. I've had a rogue hair over here that I couldn't find that's been tickling my arm and I just, oh, just found got, it. Got rid of it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, like like the ancient, you know, like pick any like warrior culture. Greek gods. Right. The, um, oh my, the Spartans. They, they didn't look like that. They look like that in the movie a little bit, but it's like- oh, CGI, baby. But yeah, bodybuilding physique is definitely a modern thing because yeah. they didn't have the training techniques and the juice. And, and and like, why would they want- They they had so much more to worry about than getting to the gym to lift. Well, that's true. 
They were like, you know, <laughs> they true. were they were worrying about they keeping their family alive. They yeah. were, uh, you yeah. know, worried about predators. They were worried about hunting and gathering. I don't know. They were worried about so many things pretty as funny. opposed to getting to like anytime yeah. fitness. And it's pretty funny to think about like any ancient culture just out there like, you know, with rocks or whatever, bronze dumbbells and just like doing like slow, tight curls. Just be like, hold on, bro. I just imagine six them six more reps, six more reps. <laughs> then it can help you move that boulder. <laughs> I just like imagine them getting like a huge rock, and that's like their. They don't have you know dumbbells, but they're just like yeah. doing like overhead presses. Uh-huh. Like they're just they're huge ass boulder. Like, hold on, let me just finish this, and then I can put it in place. You guys don't remember that scene from Troy when Brad Pitt was doing that? With, just with at the, the gym, oh, yeah, just like between two columns, just uh, lifting up stones. Was he really actually? I spent so long time seeing it. <laughs> no, oh, oh, I, I was like. <laughs> I was like, that'd be hilarious. It's like like old time bodybuilding. I never watched Troy. It's great. I I don't have the Brad Pitt fascination, as we all know. So I, I think a lot of people may like saw that because of how he looked in it, and it just I was he like, is, okay. he he's a I mean a good job too as like an action guy. I, no, I'm sure that it's a great yeah. movie, but yeah. anytime everyone's like, hey, you gotta see this, you gotta, I'm like, meh, I will not. You Brad, will not tell me what to do. Brad Pitt's an icon. Oh man, him and Angelina are in a huge legal battle over their vineyard. Yeah. It makes headlines and Angelina all the time. Is I've the read, one where I'm like, eh, but Brad Pitt's I think is awesome. I've read no articles about it. It's just funny where like constantly is like it, I don't even follow celebrity news. Yeah. Like I'm reading articles from the BBC yeah. and even they're like, and also Brad and Angie mm-hmm. fighting over their wine. I'm like, my God, let and, it go. Who cares? Angelina Jolie, like Laura Croft, or like the first one. I mean, she's yeah, gorgeous. She's fucking hot. Super hot. But her um and she's done a lot of cool things. I don't know. Yes, Maybe just she's the, a really good. I know I mean, she's she's really appears smart. Appears to be a really good human. But, but the, I don't know. There's something. Some of the interviews, I find something off putting. Maybe just the way she's portrayed. Maybe she's awesome. I oh, don't know. I don't know. I, I can't say I've ever seen her in an interview. Because guess what? I don't care. I just yeah read about stuff, but who knows? I, I I try not to get caught up in the tabloid type stuff. Well, yeah. Like you wouldn't like it if people. I know. I just I just think Brad Pitt always seems so cool. What if he's I a just, real I know, bag? I know. I just don't want that to be true. I really don't want that to be true. <laughs> My heart would be so broken if Brad Pitt was just a shitty guy. <laughs> I, I don't think he is. I know, me too. I, I agree with you. I know this is yeah. y'all show. I'm going to cut in and just say, I believe in my heart of hearts that Brad Pitt is a really good guy. Yeah. But I also believe that Angelina could also be a good person. That's true. Like, why does it have to be one or the other? That's they true. could just be two really good people who collectively came together and were doing really cool things, you know, bringing water to, you know, villages that didn't have resources and doing all this incredible work. And then their marriage just didn't work out. That doesn't make one of no, them bad no, and one of right. them good. Yeah, you're right. I think Angelina has a lot of movies where she plays this like mischievously sexy, mysterious character. Uh And so in real life, you look at her and like, and you're like, ah, she might be a little shifty. I don't know. And also shout out to that drink that just spilled all over. (laughs) Good job. It is funny how roles affect people. I know we got to get back into the horror stories, but that that makes me think, and I, and I do feel bad for him. I mean, yeah, I made him a lot of money and everything, but the kid from the Harry, no, 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 not, not Harry Potter. Uh, the the kid from Game of Thrones who played Lord Joffrey, oh yeah, it's like I bet I bet he would just get harassed. I think I actually remember reading that, just getting mm-hmm. harassed at the grocery store. Yeah, because people think because of that role he became no- known for that he's just a piece of shit. Yeah, that he's just like it's a like, rapey, just a murdery, creepy yeah. kid. Yeah, isn't that wild? That would suck. Yeah, I know, I know. All right, well, anyways, okay. Do you have a Layla over I do. there? I do. You do. I, ha- I have a, a black and white Layla. Black and white. Black and yellow, black and yellow. Oh, you don't know that song. Never mind. I forgot. I learned that the hard way about you. (laughs) Okay. 
Ready to dive in? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Are you good? I'm good. Okay. I didn't know if you had a thought you need to finish. Hmm. Okay. Greetings, Dan and Lindsay. This is the only significant paranormal event I've experienced and have had someone else witness alongside me. It still sticks with me today. I'm from Washington State, and from 2015 to 2019, I worked in the San Juan Islands, a little cluster of islands in the very north of Washington State, bordering Canada. During the fall of 2018, my partner and I spent a weekend in a town called Friday Harbor, located in the San Juan Islands. It's a touristy place where lots of celebrities own vacation homes. Anyways, there's a place called Afterglow Vista in the Friday Harbor. It is a mausoleum in the middle of the woods built by a former titan of industry who had a monopoly on the harvesting of lime on the island in the 1930s. The place is shrouded in all kinds of mystery and Masonic lore, but the part most relevant to my story is the part of the property where the family is buried. It's a circle of Roman pillars that surround a table. Around this table are chairs, which are intact tombstones under which the family is buried. However, there is one chair that is broken. This one is for the son that was disowned by the father for wandering outside of the family faith. Consequently, he was not allowed to be buried with his family, but instead was buried in a smaller cemetery located on the property. Rumor has it that because of his restless spirit, his uh, rumor has it that because of this, his restless spirit haunts the grounds of Afterglow Vista. My partner and I decided to visit the last evening of our stay. Technically, visitors are only allowed on site before dusk, but we had just finished dinner at about six and decided to slip in for a visit before it grew completely dark. It was about a quarter of a mile through the woods from the entrance of the vista up to the mausoleum. Along the path, you pass a few smaller burial plots for those outside of the family. We arrived at the mausoleum proper without experiencing anything more paranormal than the general atmosphere of the place. We walked the steps up to the table around which the family is buried, and still nothing happened, until we walked down the opposite set of stairs. At the bottom of the stairs, we heard the crunching of leaves in the section of forest just ahead of us, a sound with the pattern and regularity of footsteps, but saw no one there. Now remember, this was autumn, so most of the leaves had fallen, giving us a clear view through the forest. Then the footsteps abruptly stopped and then started moving again more rapidly and drawing closer to us, just as if someone had been walking, noted, noticed us, and then started walking directly towards us. We quickly ascended the stairs into the mausoleum proper when they abruptly stopped. When they made our way, when we made our way back down the steps to see if the footsteps would continue, they did. And when they abruptly and when we abruptly returned to our car and left, they stopped. I can't explain what happened, but just maybe it was the excommunicated son haunting the area of the mausoleum. Christian. Thanks, Christian. Or Christian. I don't know. Thanks, I think th Christian. Thanks, Christian or Christian. <laughs> well, it's K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Oh, yeah. I think that's Christian. Yeah. Not, yeah, I see what you're saying. Anyways. Um, one, one detail. Maybe I missed it, but the footsteps... With, they weren't seeing them form, right? They were just, they were seeing, they the, just heard, they were, they heard it and then they saw them, but they weren't seeing like them being squished down. They didn't see anything. They just heard things. Oh, just heard. Just yeah, heard. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So they okay. like, they did this hike up to like the mausoleum area and, they could hear and then they were out in the crunchy leaves and all that. Yeah. yeah. Cause they were saying like, if there was, because there were no leaves on the trees anymore, it was like, you know, barren forest. If there was someone there, they would have seen them, but they just yep, heard just the heard footsteps. It. And it was like, they heard them, they stopped. It's almost like, you know, if you're walking and you think you hear something and you that. stop. Yeah. 
And then all of a sudden they got really rapid coming. It sounded like the footsteps were getting closer to Yeah, them. yeah. And then and then you said lime, lime trees? Because I, that- I, I, Are they, tr- are, is lime a tree? Uh-huh. Like a like oh, lemon. Oh, no, 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 no. Lime. L- oh, the like mineral. The, got it. Okay. That makes way more sense. Because I was so hung up. I, I had to make a note. I'm like, how, how would there be like a grove of lime trees up by the Canadian border? I'm like, maybe there can be. I'm like, that's a weird place for a bunch of lime trees. <laughs> yes. Lime deposits makes total sense. <laughs> that's so funny. I saw you writing down. I was like, that's weird. I wonder what he's curious uh, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I My, my brain was- It's very weird. tropical up there. I'm not sure I if know. you're aware of this, but it's like, a very hot little microclimate up there. I guess. Yeah. What? And that place, it was, I wrote it down too, after Glow Vista. Yeah. In Friday Harbor. I know of Friday Harbor. Huh? Yeah. I love how many places are known like locally for being like a, a haunted place, a haunted mausoleum or, you know, whatever, or sure. have like this lore. Cause I've never heard of that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I bet there's other stories about this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Lyme is so fascinating to me just because I know several people who uh, like, you know, Lyme disease is now like a very, it's a, a really big problem and it leads to like all these. Um, and that's a totally different kind of thing too. That just happens to be called that. Oh, really? Yeah. I know both you and I are so confused about Lyme's story. Okay, let's let's circle back. Lyme, Lyme disease has to do with ticks. They bite, and they just call it. I think it's L Y M E. I think it's somebody's name. It's from uh, Lyme County, I think, in in yeah. the East Coast somewhere. Nothing to do oh. with the mineral. Nothing to do I with the mineral. I was thinking like somehow it like comes like the mineral like like you know because I know that ticks transfer it, but I was thinking like well then to like ticks are they like attracted to like this mineral and then they like eat it and then they carry it around <laughs> in their little bodies and then they implant it in and us. They put the Lyme mineral in you. <laughs> Weird. You and I are learning so much about limes right now. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious to me. Okay, lime trees, lime disease, lime deposits. I wonder if if how many people out there just like laughing hysterically. I wonder if anybody else thinks that like lime, like ticks, just like bite some citrus, like they chew on some act like a lime. No, I wasn't thinking. I know, but you were thinking the mineral. But I'm like, I'm just thinking. Well, now there's probably somebody else out there who's like, oh man, these little bugs. They get in the produce section, and then they push that citrus into your body, and it just fucking destroys destroys your um your immune system or whatever. Like, (laughs) yeah. Because I was thinking about like how like mosquitoes carry disease. I don't know. Like bugs are so weird what they can carry. Mm -hmm. Ah. All right. All right. Let's move away from limes. We're we apparently. No, well, nothing. you know what? If this next story has a bunch of lime stuff in it, now we're prepared. No, we're prepared for all future stories about any kind of lime. Mm-hmm. Fruit, <laughs> mineral, disease. Three different <laughs> things. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, this story I was mentioning before, it is so bizarre. It is so strange. And the outcome of it, to me, I was like, seriously? That's like that's how they handled this? The sun. It's bizarre. The sun? I'm thinking about what you talked about earlier. Uh, you mentioned it when you were uh, tipping off the stories. Yeah. About some son of somebody who was. Nope, like, that was the first story. Oh, dang it. Yeah. The son, the, the, because the son was okay, excommunicated from the family. Jan has a head cold and he's very foggy. Yeah. 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 Okay, no, this story, let me, let me just get into it and, okay. and you'll be with us. Okay. Back in 2013, my twin sister and I and our best friends were looking for ways to make extra income during the summer. We posted an ad on Craigslist to offer our services for house sitting and almost immediately had a response. We went and met the family who lived in a new neighborhood that was built by the Boise River. The house was amazing. The hardwood floors alone in this house were worth more than I had ever made in my entire life. We had to sign a contract with these people in terms of how long we would be house sitting, what the responsibilities included, and how to properly care for their pets. 
In total, they would be gone for almost an entire summer, traveling off to an exotic island, and we would make $1,200 split three ways. Naturally, we thought we had scored the deal of a lifetime, staying in a huge, beautiful house and each taking home $400. Almost immediately, we realized that we may have made a horrible mistake. The layout of the house was as follows. Laundry, kitchen, living room, master bedroom on the first floor, and then two kids' rooms on the second floor. From the master bedroom, you could see out into the living room, but the staircase to the upstairs faced the door to the master bedroom, so if I was standing in the doorway of the bedroom, I could see up the stairs. Each of the kids' rooms had their own bathroom, and that is where the cat litter boxes were that had to be emptied twice a day. The dog was fed in the garage and slept in the master bedroom. Not even two days into this job, us three girls were in the master bedroom, hanging out with the dog, chit-chatting with each other, when we heard footsteps above us. Logically, I tried to debunk this as the cat's running around upstairs. However, the steps were loud and very prominent, as if someone was stomping around rather intentionally. We decided that it was just the cat scenario in our minds, and the next morning, when we went upstairs to empty the cat's litter boxes, in the girl's bedroom, where she had a loft bed, the floor was now covered with giant stuffed animals that had previously been on her bed. It was a little weird, but I knew the cat slept up there, and I tried to think that maybe they had pushed them all off and that it was just what we had been hearing the day before. We put the stuffed animals back, changed the litter box, and left for work. That night, we were all in the room downstairs again and heard the stomping once more. My sister went up to check it out and froze at the doorway, her eyes welling up with tears. There's someone on the stairs, she said. She shut the the door, came back in the room, and we sat in silence, trying to listen for signs of someone, but didn't hear anything. A few minutes later, our friend checked it out, and there was nothing there. This house was covered in really amazing things. The furniture you see in magazines, African masks hung on the wall under the stairs, artifacts and incredible crystal chandeliers hung everywhere. Upstairs in the hall was a stunning floor-to-ceiling shelving unit filled with books and pictures of this family's travels. We made sure to take an inventory of all the things every day. The next day, when I came home from work, I went upstairs to the hallway to find this giant shelving unit in the middle of the hallway. You could see the carpet... You could see in the carpet the drag marks that were made from its weight. I ran downstairs, called the girls immediately, and asked if they were doing this shit on purpose. Of course, no, they weren't, and it wouldn't be physically possible for one of them to move that bookshelf by themselves. When we were all together again, we moved it back and looked in each and every room to make sure nothing else was out of place. We started thinking that maybe these people had set this up, filmed us, and watched our reactions, because we couldn't reason why this was happening. Did someone know the combination to the house to get in while we were gone? As the days went on, more and more things started happening. More noises, cups on the counters that weren't there before, cabinets in the kitchen opening. One morning, we woke up to see a secret door under the stairs, Uh. which we had no idea had ever existed prior to this, was wide open. But what really got us was one of the last nights we stayed there about three weeks in. We were all becoming tired, not sleeping well at the house, arguing about what was going on. I was in the master bedroom trying to sleep when the dog came running down the stairs barking like he was really scared. My sister and friend were like, what the fuck? Because at this point, I was so beyond all of it, I was irritated and yelled at them to see what the hell was going on in the house. I could hear them going up the stairs, followed by screams. They came running downstairs absolutely horrified. I didn't believe what they told me. All the lights upstairs were off, except red glowing lights from the girl's bedroom. They had found a strand of red rope lights draped all over the bedroom that had never, ever been there before, glowing eerily in the night. 
I knew someone had to be out there. How else could any of this be happening? I went to the girl's closet and pressed my ear to the door. If someone was in there, this was the only place they could have gone. I stepped back and knocked on the door three times with a baseball bat I was holding onto and immediately was met with a wham from the other side of the door. Us three girls ran out of the house, took the dog with us, and called the cops. We called the owners over and over, but their mailboxes were full. The cops found nothing, no sign of entry, literally nothing. Were we going crazy? We decided then to put the cat's litter boxes in the garage and would feed the cats and empty the litter from there, not going any further into the home for the duration of our job, while keeping the dog with us at all times. One of the last times I went in that house, I recorded with my phone entering through the garage and going into the kitchen. I opened the door and all the cats were sitting at the door, just staring at it. I looked past them to notice a trail of water going all the way through the house, all over the hardwood floors, perfectly poured in a line. In the video, when I replayed it, there were orbs going past my body multiple times. But was it really ghosts? I mean, what the hell was going on? When they finally came back and we explained everything to the family, the owners shook it off like it was nothing. We were terrified. What was in that house? Or was it a setup the whole time? We will never know, but we talk about it still to this day. Is that weird? mm, The water in like the perfect line? I mean, doesn't reek of a... Uh, like being punked, like you said earlier, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, like a practical joke. And then uh, when she tapped with the baseball bat, oh my god! And the and the thing like s- something slammed back. That that also didn't read to me as being punked. That well, for I a while, don't know. For a while there, I was like, is is there somebody kind of like a Denver Spider Man? Is there somebody mm. trying to also live in the house with them, with the whole secret little compartment and stuff? But if that was the case, if you were trying to stay out of sight, yeah, you'd walk quieter. You wouldn't be. And you wouldn't, and you wouldn't slam back, right? Which then leads to either like prank or paranormal. And if you were pranking them, I don't know the water. How would you pull that off? Well, okay. Here's like the prank piece of it. And actually, I didn't think about the Denver Spider Man. So now I have like a different twist. What if we did have a Denver Spider Man situation, and you know that person is like coexisting in this house without you Mm -hmm. knowing it. He hears the family talking about how they're going on this trip (laughs) and then just thinks like, oh, well, these three young girls are going to stay in the house. I'll just scare them so they leave and then I'll have the house to myself. Because if you know the family's going to be out of town for an extended period of time. And when they left, because they left to have the police come check it out. Yeah, but the the police would have found it. Or found somebody, right? Or like, yeah, I would think they would find uh, remnants of someone living there. Because yeah. I mean, that seems unlikely that they would be able to sneak in the house, be in the house, and then leave no like, you know, wrappers, food wrappers, some kind of garbage, some think. kind of signs that you were like staying inside some portion of the house. Yeah, and like, why would you move that big, heavy bookcase? And like, why would you put up glow lights? I mean, I guess if you're trying to scare them, but I do kind of like this. The lights is weird. I do think the like punked angle is kind of hilarious. Like, I was just thinking about, like, we have somebody who stays with our dogs when we're out of town. Mm-hmm. And now we love her. But, yeah. like, what if, what if we didn't like her so much? And we just wanted to play a really terrible practical joke on her. I mean, pretty funny. That would be pretty. Because isn't it weird that the family comes home and is like, eh, don't worry about it. We're not even stressed but about wh- it. But why would the family want to punk their own house sitters? I don't Just entertainment factor? Because yeah, it's not like they quit know. the job early. They finished the job. Right. So it didn't inconvenience I, their travel. I think it was some kind of paranormal stuff going on. But the lights is weird. Like, like, but I mean, I don't know. They, but they could, maybe they just didn't notice the lights before. I think you would notice like red rope lights because there's three girls staying in the house. So I'm imagining one of them was staying in maybe the- Maybe they weren't on for a while or something. It just doesn't feel- okay. I, I don't notice things all the time. 
Well, true. But if you are house sitting for an entire summer, one of you is staying in this bedroom, this bedroom, this bedroom, mm-hmm. if you're sleeping in that bedroom, how could you not notice that? Yeah, the lights detail is the one that's like the the most like, wait, what? And the Doesn't water line thing up with is everything weird. else. Yeah, yeah. The water, I mean, that's uh, associated with paranormal stuff sometimes, just yeah. pools of water. Yeah. But the lights, like an actual, like real lights of this world yeah, yeah, yeah. being set up. I don't know. I'm just going to, I mean, I, my, my brain is just stuck on, maybe they just didn't notice. Maybe they just, maybe, maybe once they started looking around and really kind of checking things out further because they were spooked. Yeah. Yeah. Now they know, noticed it. Cause you're paying, you're like looking more closely for. Yeah. You're inspecting the house. Yeah. I don't know. Just so bizarre. Mm-hmm. And that would stick with you for a long time. Yeah. You know, like if that was you, me and one of the kids, I'd be like, I'd be talking about that forever. Oh yeah. hundred like, percent. What do you think happened there? I can't get over the fact that the family was just like, meh, no worry. Here's your 1200 bucks. So maybe, maybe there, I mean, there are some people who are like, yep, my place is haunted. Like there's something living there. We hear footsteps and some people are like, whatever. God bless them. God bless them. All right. One more. Yeah. Okay. Hello. I'm a work from home mom and I've been binge listening, tuning my kids out with some creepy shit. (laughs) I wanted to share an experience with you that I tried to block out because it's just too creepy. We moved into our new home about two years ago. It's five miles down a dead-end dirt road surrounded by forest and a few sweet elderly neighbors. One night, my husband was away for work, and I was home alone with my two young girls. My oldest was four at the time. Ever since she was a baby, she has been what we call a sleep screamer. She would wake up at least once or twice a week completely inconsolable and talking nonsense as if she's stuck in a dream state. When we moved into the new house, her episodes picked up a little— and then died off for quite a while. This was a huge relief as it's a very scary thing when she gets in these states. This night, when I was home alone, I had a vivid dream that went like this. I was in our unfinished basement, searching through some boxes for some unknown item when there was a gunshot that was so loud and disorienting that it left my ears ringing. I looked around, but could see no source of the sound, and I was all alone. And that's when I woke up to my daughter screaming from the next room. She was screaming, get out, over and over. I jumped up, still reeling from my dream, terrified that the gunshot wasn't in my mind, but that someone was in my home. I ran to her room, all the while she's screaming, get out, get out. Her eyes were closed, but she was still sitting up. I flipped the light on and searched her room. No one was there. I ran into my youngest daughter's room and checked the closet. Also, no one there. My dog, who is the best guard dog ever and would have definitely alerted me to an intruder, was sitting at the end of the hallway looking at me with her ears pulled back. She seemed afraid. What is it, girl? I asked her. She just sat there looking at me, refusing to come down the hallway. I went back to my oldest's room and tried to gently coax her awake. She was lying down at this point and had calmed down, starting to fall back asleep. I asked her what she'd been dreaming about. She sleepily said, the face. What face, sweetie? I asked, becoming even more creeped out. She said, the guy. What guy? I asked. And that's when she calmly pointed behind me to the corner of the room and said, that guy. I glanced in the corner, seeing nothing out of the ordinary, but I've never been more terrified in my life. I grabbed both my girls out of their beds, got the dog, and we slept in my bed that night with the bedroom door locked. Nothing has happened since, and she hasn't had any more sleep screaming episodes either. I try to chalk it up to nightmares of an overactive imagination, but part of me wonders what happened in this house and who or what was trying to send me a message that night. Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. I I, I would do the same thing, but I still also find it silly and would find it silly if it was me. But I like when Sarah locks the door. I know. 
it's just a natural thing where it's mm-hmm. like you feel more secure if the door is locked. Yeah. But it's funny when you're dealing with something that is definitely not of this world. Right. Not if it like uh, doesn't play by the same rules. Uh, yeah. I, I, I yeah. It that. could just walk through the door. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing. Like whenever I have to spend the night alone in the house, I have the most over the top ridiculous routine mm-hmm. of like the which lights I choose to leave on in the house. Like the bathroom light stays on, different hallway lights stay on that don't create shadows. Uh, I leave the stereo on so it sounds like someone's home. I lock the bedroom door. Ooh. I put a, um, what? I just had the creepiest little element. Like what if you have the stereo on? Yeah. Like the little speakers in the ceilings? Yeah. And then what if you started hearing a voice come through the speakers? Oh my God, that'd be awful. Uh, don't even think about recording some weird creepy thing and adding it to a playlist oh my I would gosh kill I just, you I would I, kill I, I you I just thought of the best prank if somebody wanted to do okay anybody who has like a Sonos or Bose any kind of system where well, I guess whatever everybody, any like uh, Bluetooth Bluetooth speaker mm-hmm, which is pretty common now yeah. uh, whether it's like a solo speaker or a system of speakers but what you could do if you have any basic like uh, knowledge of editing songs, because it would be pretty easy to do. Oh my god! You just you know use, Logan's out there taking. Yeah, right use now. any kind of audio editing software, and you just take a regular playlist. Oh my god! Of you know songs that are out there on the radio, whatever, and you just layer in creepy voices inside the songs. You imagine, and then play that. Uh, at your house or whatever like that. And oh my God, you could scare the shit out of somebody doing that. That could be a really fun dinner party trick. Ooh. Like, you know, we're having a dinner party and, you know, we've got this playlist going and we time it out where we're like, all right, let's see. Everyone's coming at this time. We'll probably start drinking at this time. Like, so as the night goes on, it's just like, God, oh my God. If yeah. you have a system where you can control the different areas of the house. The same thing. I, was just <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting on that too. Just like just in one bathroom, like the, the bathroom that you're sending the guests to. Yep. There's always just this weird like. Low music with creepy uh, voices inside of it. It would be great if you had one friend who like always. Okay. Like we have a friend who has um like, uh, what does he have? He has Crohn's. Like, so he has to like use the bathroom a lot. So if you could just make it like say his name in the song, but like no one else's. <laughs> oh man. Oh, we could have so much fun. Yeah. You could really scare the shit out of somebody. That'd with be that. really, really fun. <laughs> Not for me. But really, really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, yeah. God, that'd be so great. I don't, oh, oh, sorry. Also on this story, Sarah's story, I'm so thankful that you are not a sleep screamer. That's the craziest thing. I've never heard of that. I have heard of people like, you know, like, well, like people talk in their sleep. Yeah. There are uh, other people who just like wake up in the midst of nightmares, you yeah. know, fairly frequently. Yeah. And I'm such an easily startled person. Oh my God. You are the most jumpy human I literally have ever spent time around. <laughs> I've never like, where, where were we yesterday that like, uh... Oh, we were traveling home and like a uh like a door slammed and you just jumped so much. I'm like, yeah, my like, God. Like, I can't even help it. I know, it's pretty funny. <laughs> and and that would that would be terrible for me because it would just wake me up in a start, like in a panic state. Yeah. Every time it happened. You said uh talking in your sleep. Both of our kids talk in their sleep. Pretty much every night. Pretty much every night. And I, I don't think that they believed us or I don't know. I think Kyler's mm-hmm. has subsided a bit. No, I was going to actually, when you brought that up, because I went on that early orientation college thing weekend with him and we yeah. shared a hotel room. Yeah. You know, so it was the first time in, I don't know, years that I've been like sleeping, you know, near in him. In the same room as him, yeah. And I get up, you know, to use the bathroom, whatever. Every night. He, he is he is still just like, oh, no, I, I just can't, even, you know, you just got to try and get it. Just like, like, just weird things, like fairly regularly 
constantly, I'm like, yeah, doesn't that mess your sleep up? I, yeah, he I doesn't know. know he's doing it. Was he writing uh, hip hop rhymes? Like, I, gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta get bars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I gotta go do things. <laughs> Working oh on his mixtape. My God. Well, the kids were on a trip and it was Kyler Monroe <laughs> and their cousin sharing a hotel room. And I heard from their cousin, they were like, like Monroe talks so much in her sleep. I guess like one night she had gone to bed earlier than them. The boys came back later and she, they said she like, her eyes were open. Oh she yeah, was, that's creepy. She was, she was talking to them, but she has no recollection. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's like, you're somewhere in that, like, um, it's like before your REM sleep or something. My brother was like this. My, oh my God, my mother would get so angry at him because she would go in his bedroom and have an entire conversation with him. Like I'm talking three minutes of like, hey, like summer yeah, to, vacation. Like, hey dude, like I need you to like or cut the grass, do this, do that. And he'd be like, okay. And they, and he would ask her questions. It would go back and forth. Then he'd go back to sleep. <laughs> no recollection, not do the chores. And my mom would lose her mind. Yeah. She's like, but I told you. And he's like, no, you didn't. No recollection. The sleeping with your eyes open that is creepy. So creepy. And some people, yeah, also do that because then they'll have like dry eyes when they wake up and stuff. But yeah. that is so eerie to like somebody laying there, especially if they're the combination of eyes open ah. and they're talking in their sleep. Nope. Ugh. Nope. 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 I cannot sleep with my eyes open. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you wouldn't know though if you were sleeping with your eyes open. Do you feel like there's some people who can just like, I feel like I've heard of people saying like, I can sleep with my eyes open. Where like, they can kind of just choose to like, I think I that's more know. of just like a zoning out thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they're really I sleeping. I don't think so either. But I mean, I don't buy it. But you also don't think people say like, you know, my eyes are bleeding. So, <laughs> yeah. which we're still getting emails about how correct I was. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Well, get ready for the Lyme emails. Oh my God. We don't know shit about limes. We got a ton of emails about uh, electricity and telephones. And yes, they do require electricity. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tons. Of, it was so funny. People were like, all right, guys. I mean, a lot of electricians telling us they were very kind. No one said we were idiots, which I appreciate. So they don't, they don't run on magic. They do not. No, they do not. (laughs) Do you want to do some shout outs? Yeah. Do you want me to do them first? Sure. Go right ahead. I would like to thank the following Annabelle's for supporting us on Patreon. Carrie Hanley, San Bear, Brady Schmidt, Schmidt. It's a good one. Schmidt. Mm -hmm. Former Phillies, third baseman, hall of fame, best offensive third baseman ever, Mike Schmidt. Thank you, random sports information from person who doesn't care about sports. Mortal Remains, Ruthie, Mother of Dinosaurs. Cute. Annalie Martinez, Danielle Boyce, Kai Waterman, Anne-Marie Erickson, and Steph Bliss. That was a hard one for you? Just Just a unique spelling. Yeah, unique spelling of Annalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to thank the following Annabelles for their support on Patreon and also for selling out those Annabelle 500 autographed books like y'all did it. Oh, yeah. So fast. I think yeah, thank it, you. I think it was minutes, mere minutes. Uh, Christine Lubers, Moses the Moose, <laughs> Emily Hartford, Morgan and Brian McCallie, Joe, no last name, Ariel Dana, Sasha Flores, Marcos Loves Whore, Katie Stoddard, and Francisco Bustos. And then I have a handful of spooky shoutouts. Okay. If I may. I love this one. To Caitlin from Caitlin. Happy birthday, you fucking badass. <laughs> You're a rock star. And even though it's your birthday, you got to get out of bed before noon. <laughs> to Trish from Andy, Wally, and Vader. Happy birthday. To Handsome Zombie from Little Goth Girl. Happy birthday. I love you so much. Here's to many years of an amazing spooky life together. Cute. To Ada from Farthead. <laughs> Happy belated 21st birthday. Cannot wait for uh, to drink around the world with you in Epcot. I'm beyond proud of you. 
to Kyle from Aspen, happy birthday, and to Mikey from Rochelle, happy two-year anniversary, and happy seven years sober. There are no adequate words to express how proud of you I am and what an honor it is to be your wife. This was like a really, really cute email. Like really like struggled to get sober. As you can imagine, it's a difficult journey. And uh, she sent the cutest picture of like, um, what's his name? Mikey and his grandma. He's like gotten into carpentry and he made her this cute like uh, uh, flower box. It was just, she's just so proud of him. You could feel it in the email. It was really sweet. Well, that is our show. Uh, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scared to death You can email us for everything else, info at scared to death Thanks to Logan Keith, Tyler C for the work on social media with Ryan Handelsman, and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com, and to Tyler again for producing and directing today. Thanks to Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation, Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, and to book editor Drew Atana for his work on book number four. Well, book number four is done. So now we're on to book five. That's right. Now going forward, going to be working on book number five. I know. Very uh, exciting. Thanks to producer Sarah Finch for finding the second tale. Uh, I was able to find the first. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch this show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content. See pics that accompany episodes at Scared to Death Podcast, which is also the handle of our TikTok, where there are little clips from the show. And if you don't want to hear ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes and more, check out our Patreon. And mark your calendar Sunday, August 27th, 4 p.m., the debut of my newest stand-up special, Trying to Get Better, released for free on YouTube. And get those stickers next week you guys at badmagicmerch.com. Get busy. You got a lot to do. Get $200 worth of free merch. Do and it. En- and enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness. And remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death. And Magic Productions. No, we're prepared for all future stories about any kind of lime. Mm-hmm. Fruit, <laughs> mineral, disease. <laughs>